Bill Street Caravan is brought to you by the generous support of the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau. Memphis, home of the blues and the birthplace of rock and roll. I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Covens. And you're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. We have a great show in store for you today as singer-songwriter John Kilzer graces the program. John is a music industry veteran. His first record was released on Geffen in 1987 and included the top 10 hits. Since then, he's penned songs for other artists while making his way as an independent musician. He even had a stint as a college English professor. And in a most unusual twist, John answered the call to the ministry recently, ultimately receiving his doctorate in theology. Birthed from this perspective of artist, songwriter, and theologian comes John's newest recording effort, Hideaway. After the break today, Pat sits down with John to talk about life experience and this great new record he's got out. And joining us also on Bill Street Caravan is Bill Street Caravan contributor, Eddie Hankins. Eddie will be continuing his series on Chip's Moment and the phenomenal output of the legendary studio Chips ran. The series is called American Studios, Memphis's Hit Factory. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. How's hey. it going? Welcome back to another week of Bill Street Caravan. Yes. Before we start into today's program, why don't you give us a little update on that contest we've got going on? Do I get and to go? I, I, you know, I really, <laughs> I really want to figure that part out. I got to figure that out. I'll hang out with with our winner the whole time. And they'll be get, they'll be like, oh wow, I wish that girl would leave us alone. She's a bit of a stalker. She keeps putting <laughs> drinks on our tab. So here's the update. Um, the best way I can sum it up is we're going to need a bigger hat. Oh. Yeah. It's gone from a fishbowl drawing to like a SeaWorld-sized <laughs> aquarium. An orca-sized <laughs> <Yes>. drawing? <laughs> For you listeners out there, if uh, you, if you weren't tuning in last week, um, we've got this contest going on. It's uh, We're partnering with Sandy Beaches Cruises. It's a Roots music-themed cruise featuring nonstop music by Delbert McClinton's Lyle Lovett, Paul Thorne, Marsha Ball, The Mavericks, and more and more and more. There's so many great artists on this cruise. We're giving away a free cabin. Wait a minute, a free cabin? That's a, like super expensive. Yeah, it's like worth forty six hundred dollars. An ocean view cabin on oh, this cruise. Oh, in the ocean? Yes. <laughs> so here's how you get involved. Go to our Facebook page. Each week when we post that week's program, it's simple. If you click like, you get your name entered into the drawing. And if you click share and share that week's program on your own Facebook page, you get entered into the contest a second time. Oh, two chances to win. Yeah. So and we're also nice. doing other things throughout the week like, hey, if you want to be have your name entered five times today, do this and that. So there's all sorts of different ways to get involved. So you definitely got to keep an eye on the Bill Street Caravan Facebook page. So we're going to be doing this for three more weeks, and we are going to draw the winner's name live on air on uh, the program that airs the first week of December. Cool stuff, huh? That sounds pretty cool. So, on to today's program. We have John Kilzer. John's no stranger to Bill Street Caravan, but it's actually his first time on our program. We've known John forever, and John was a close, dear friend of our founder, Sid Selvage. So, Pat, who exactly is John Kilzer? Tell our audience. Well, first of all, let me say, 
Everyone knew John Kilzer but me. I have this thing that that is um, don't meet your heroes. I've always yes. loved his music. You know, but sometimes if you meet your heroes, you can be disappointed. And so I've made it a point to keep an arm's distance I, away from him. Same, same exact thing here. <laughs> But today we sat down and had a great interview. Mm -hmm. John is really a lot of different things. He was a four-year member of the University of Memphis Tigers men's basketball team. We could stop right there. Yeah, in Memphis, you know, in Memphis <laughs> basketball is king. That's okay. Big-time legend status. <laughs> like, let's erect a statue of him in a park just for but that. He was also a college professor. He's a songwriter, a successful recording artist. His 1987 debut record called Memory in the Making included this hit called Red Blue Jeans, which still is in my head. I sing Always. that song all the time. It spawned a hit on MTV. And the title track to that album, the title track Memory in the Making, mm -hmm. is still to this day one of the best. I mean, it's in my top three of best songs I've ever heard in my life. I love that song. It's and one of those songs, like, I, after hearing it, like, one time, I remembered all the lyrics. Yeah. That never happens. He definitely has a gift. After his second record, which was also in Geffen, John went down the publishing path, a direction he followed for many years, getting those mailbox checks. He was writing songs for other people and finding success, working with artists like Roseanne Cash, Maria Muldaur, and country music star Trace Atkins. And my perception of John, and this is kind of going back to what you said earlier, is for as long as I can remember... He's always had this unique sort of local presence. He's been this mythical figure almost in the music scene, revered and talked about for his intelligence and his artistic integrity. And in my experience, his reputation really preceded him. Definitely. And it's, it's so cool to have him on the program. After entering alcohol recovery in 2000, John decided to go back to school again. Divinity studies was what he focused on this time as he answered the call to ministry. He received his Master of Divinity degree in 2005 from Memphis Theological Seminary and then followed that with a doctorate from Middlesex University in London in 2010. So I just think it's really cool that we can honestly say he is a reverend doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there are not a lot of reverend doctors. I mean, that is just like a dedication. <laughs> or as I like to put it, he's a soul man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After receiving his doctorate, John began a recovery-driven ministry called The Way. It's a music-driven Friday night service held at St. John's United Methodist Church in the heart of Midtown Memphis that features a who's who of the Memphis music world participating in the service. This synergy of ministry, music, and John's endless well of creative energy has resulted in this new album, Hideaway. Released just a few weeks ago on Archer Records, critics and fans alike are calling it the best record of his career. Passionate, soulful, and raw as it can be, it features themes of love and hope and redemption. It just bleeds out of every song. There was an all-star supporting cast on the record. It included Luther Dickinson, Alvin Youngblood Hart, Steve Selvage, Bobby Manuel, and Kirk Whalum. Wow. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that. So after the break, Pat talks to John about his career path and how it all led to helping others. So stay tuned for that. It's a great interview. Right now, we're going to let John and the band play. Here's John Kilser live on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much. Y'all look good out there. It's good to see every one of you. We're honored to be able to play this record for you. Hope you enjoy it.
Thank you so much. 
Thank you. For folks just tuning in, you're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Today's program is made possible by support from Bridging the Blues. Find out more info about the music and culture of the Memphis and Delta region at bridgingtheblues.com. Here's more from John Kilzer. Thank you.
you're holding? Is it nails? Is it gloves? Is it, is it fire? Is it doves? Is it some weapon? Some weapon that you're loading in, in hands? Oh, my hands. It's so hard to let go, but to stay the same.
That was John Kilzer live on Beale Street Caravan. Pat's going to sit down and catch up with John here in a moment. But first, we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor Eddie Hankins. Eddie is continuing his series, American Studios, Memphis's Hit Factory. It's brought to you by WEVL-FM 89.9, Memphis's volunteer and member-supported radio station. The American Studios series covers a remarkable period in music history where producer Chips Moman cranked out hit after hit after hit. And all from the little studio just a few blocks from where we're sitting, Pat. Eddie is a veteran DJ at WEVL, and he's been doing his show down in the alley for more than 20 years. And along the way, he's become quite the expert on American studios. He and the others at the studio, including Weevil's program director, Brian Craig, felt like the story of Chips in the studio needed some dusting off. People needed some reminding. So they played a huge part in bringing the history to light again, including having a historical marker placed at the site where the studio once stood. Just last week, Chips was inducted into the Memphis Music Hall of Fame, and WEVL's efforts played a huge role in that. You can stream the station online at wevl.org. Here's Eddie. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Pat. In April 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis. As author Robin Jones chronicles in her book, Memphis Boys, The Story of American Studios, Memphis was never the same afterwards. But for the most part, at American Studios, record producer Chips Moman and the 827 Thomas Street Band carried on with just as many sessions as before, despite a major disappointment when, following Dr. King's murder, Aretha Franklin canceled a session she had booked at the studio. Nevertheless, some of the studio's biggest successes were still to come. Atlantic Records brought Wilson Pickett back to American, where a Bobby Womack composition gave him a top 10 R&B hit and a new nickname. Here's I'm a Midnight Mover. I'm a Midnight Mover.
The next artist Atlantic Records brought to American came all the way across the Atlantic Ocean from England to record at the scene of some of her soul and R&B heroes' greatest triumphs. However, once she got into the vocal booth, faced with the microphone that Wilson Pickett had roared into just weeks earlier, Dusty Springfield froze. As Atlantic Records co-founder and session co-producer Jerry Wexler recalled in his autobiography, Rhythm in the Blues, Dusty was all raw nerves and neuroses. She wouldn't put her voice on a practice track, making it tough for us to work up arrangements. She wouldn't sing at all. Despite this, the band persevered, eventually getting the instrumental tracks down, and Wexler ultimately got Springfield to record the final vocals for the somewhat ironically titled Dusty in Memphis LP in New York. The album itself has gone on to become a classic, regularly showing up on critics' lists of the top albums of all time and marks pianist Bobby Wood's debut as a permanent member of the 827 Thomas Street Band. The first single, Son of a Preacher Man, had originally been offered to Aretha Franklin, but the lyrics reportedly hit too close to home for her, she being the daughter of a preacher man. And thus, Dusty Springfield rode the song into the top ten on the pop charts and scored a Grammy nomination for Best Contemporary Female Vocalist. Aretha, seeing the error of her ways, later recorded the song for her album, This Girl's In Love With You. Here's Dusty. Billy Ray was a preacher's son And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along When they gather around and started talking Dustin Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man You see what he was Yes he was Everything is alright. He kissed and tell me everything's alright. Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me. Another label that had regularly been sending artists down to American without much to show for it was Scepter Records out of New York. It was a different story, however, when a lanky Texan named B.J. Thomas headed over to Memphis to see what Chip's moment could do for him. A lot, as it turned out. Another Texan, songwriter Mark James, had joined American's stable of writers, and he and Moman both encouraged Thomas to move up to Memphis. Once they got Thomas in the studio, James hooked him up with one of his songs, The Eyes of a New York Woman, which turned out to be a top 30 hit. Bigger things were soon to come. The combination of B.J. Thomas's voice, Mark James' songs, Moman's production, and the 827 Thomas Street Band's playing was magic, and the second time out, they struck gold. Hooked on a Feeling featuring Reggie Young on the electric sitar became a top five smash and a million seller in the winter of 1968. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me.
I'm Eddie Hankins for Bill Street Caravan. Thanks, Eddie. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but when we come back, we'll have John Kilzer back with us. You're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Street Caravan is supported in part by awards from the Tennessee Arts Commission and Arts Memphis. We're back and we're about to hear more music from John Kilzer, but before we get back to the performance, Pat got to sit down and talk music and life with John, so let's listen in on that. Well, we are here with John Kilzer. John, thanks for coming back. Oh, Street Caravan thanks for studio. having me. It's so good to be here. Everybody I know knows you. But my knowledge of you is strictly from the music. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the first moment that I heard Red Blue Jeans and I thought, this is the coolest song. And I, that was 1988. It and was. You're still making music and you're not on a major label any longer. You're doing this yourself. Sort of, sort of take us on on a little bit of that journey, because a lot has happened. First of all, thanks for having me. It's so it's, it's such an honor to be your guest this morning. Um, that, yeah, it was. It's been sort of a, a, a Byzantine route. Um, it, it, you know, I, that was you, the record that you mentioned. Was a um, how that even came about was a, was mysterious. I was actually teaching English at Memphis State and had made some demos at Ardent Records that <clears throat> that sort of garnered a lot of sort of frisson and, and a lot of interest in it. And it was pretty overwhelming. And there was a, became a bidding war between Warner Brothers and A and M and Geffen, and um, of course. I knew nothing about the biz. I just started playing. I just met Teeny Hodges a few years earlier, and Teeny had, had taught me how to play. And bless his heart, uh, it, you know, his he 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 sort of put a mantle upon me that allowed me to become a a songwriter. And I'm I'll t- eternally, hopefully, be grateful to him. Our audience may not realize the significance of that. So basically, you learned how to play guitar from the guy who's known for all the records at high studios. You know, part of the high rhythm section, an amazing guitar player and oh. song. And if anyone that knows him, just he was so special. I mean, he was so special, and he loved Memphis State basketball. And I was in the athletic dorm. I was living there, and I had bought an old pawn shop guitar and was sitting in the dorm room, forlorn, probably playing old Hank Williams songs or something, and Teeny (laughs) came by, and the room was very monochrome, and when he came into the room, the whole molecular structure of the room changed, and it became polychromatic, and all of a sudden (laughs) there was Teeny, and... He obviously he just something something connected and he spent time with me and and showed me some chords to uh, uh, um, here I am come and take me I'll never forget that something very spiritual happened in that when he left the room 
I was a different person than when he came in. And as long as I knew him, and we became dear, dear friends. And, and he started about five years ago. You know, as, as for those that don't know, he passed in June, and I, I still miss him fiercely. But he he started calling me son about five years ago, and I started calling him Papa. And it was just this amazing relationship. No matter where he was or, or where, where I was, we would talk all the time, and we were always in present tense. And it was just the most remarkable thing. But he knew what he had bestowed upon me. Yeah. And I treasured it, and I still treasure it. It's something that's very dear to my spirit, and I try to be a good good shepherd to whatever it is. You know, it's something that only happens in Memphis. You know, there's just something here, a creative energy that people are called to be stewards of and, and keepers of the flame, and he was a major cat keeper of the flame, as we <laughs> all know. But that sort of just changed me in a, in a measurable way. So you, Geffen has this bidding war. Geffen, the same record label that changed rock and roll music by putting out this band called Guns N' Roses, and then a few years after that, putting out Nirvana. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was a, it was an interesting label, uh, and and I had I had signed because of that was where John Lennon's last record was. It's probably not the best criteria for signing a record <laughs> deal, but it works for me. And we in in the record essentially that we made that you were speaking of, Memory in the Making, was essentially the demo that we, we didn't do much at all, but just released them like they were. And it just exploded. And I, I wasn't prepared for it. How, how anyone can be prepared for it, I, I don't know. But, you know, I, was, I went from wearing a tweed coat, teaching, uh, having <laughs> folks trace the organic metaphors in William Faulkner's Sound and Fury to going out on a tour bus with the Moody Blues and doing MTV and having a record go up the charts. And so it was pretty overwhelming. In retrospect, I wish I could have been more present in my life back then. Mm -hmm. It's not a big secret. I went through a lot of addiction issues and alcoholism and, and had to kind of go through that and hit hit the bottoms. And I hit bottom and slid sideways for a few years and then was able to, by the grace of God, kind of get my life together again. Let's talk a little bit of, uh, about that. I know that when I first heard about the way they're like oh man these group of musicians they get together at a church every friday night it sort of helps them set their mind and their their spirit and their body right before they have to go out and play in the clubs and for many of them who are dealing with addiction that is the hardest part because they're still around those things so you've given people a creative outlet for them to center themselves before they go to battle how did that idea come about well, how it came about, it, what the way is, is uh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an ordained pastor, a minister in the Methodist Church, and, and I'm appointed to St. John's United Methodist Church. For those, for many that don't know, it's right in Midtown Memphis. It's a mission-oriented church for years. <clears throat> was at the vanguard of the civil rights movement back when Dr. King was here. But what the way is, 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 is simply it's a, it's a service of recovery, a music-driven service of recovery, to, as you just so eloquently put, gives an alternative for kind of meetings and, and, and talking about, you know, things that can be somewhat um, dis disparaging. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we started it, the bishop of the United Methodist Church had a passion for recovery. I was at least the only self-proclaimed alcoholic that was an ordained minister, you know, and so <laughs> everyone, it wasn't any big secret about that. So he 
essentially appointed me to come here and start this ministry. And, and being in Memphis and being a musician, the, if it wasn't mu- music-driven, number number one, it wouldn't work. There's, mm-hmm. these, there's so many other these worship services that are trying to be sort of a, a, a substitute for 12-step meetings. And there's plenty of them, and they all have their own place. But I knew if this one was going to be unique and special and indigenous to the soil of St. John's United Methodist Church, that it would be music-driven, it would be hospitable, it would it, it would take place on Friday evenings at six, and that's the worst time when I when I told everyone that's when I wanted to do this service. They said no, it's it's crazy. That's, that's the worst time. Work. But that's when the eagle flies on Friday, and so do I. That's when everyone that's really dealing with recovery issues are trying to figure out how am I going to get my blend right? What's this number? And so intentionally we picked that time, which you so. Uh, you know, you picked up on immediately. So what we have the really the, the the A-list musicians in Memphis come on Friday, twenty to thirty different ones. We we cycle and we play music and we feed folks and we talk about the twelve steps, and then I talk about the spiritual component of the twelve steps because I'm a believer that if you don't get the spiritual component of the 12 steps, which simply, the 12 steps are simply a, a spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. you know. The, reco- the life of recovery, if, it, is it not, if it's not a joyful life, then why, why even recover? Why do it? Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to be miserable. Exactly. Yeah, it's, that, 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 that's a little bit of what you were touching on before yeah. the other gentleman going to the, to the meetings. Well, musically, I think that that really translates, and there's so much redemption that it talks about, and it talks about love, and not as this intangible thing, but as this living, breathing in every piece of our life thing. That's kind of, you know, in, if I may just piggyback on that, in this record, redemption bleeds through in every sense of the word, metaphorically and in reality. But honestly... Music for me is is a sanctuary. I, you know, when dealing with folks in recovery on an everyday basis, I knew it was going to be intense. And I have to be real honest with you, though, if I wasn't called to do it, I wouldn't do it. It's just so heavy. It can be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I'm so honored to be able to do it. But when I wrote this record a little over a year ago, my wife Stacy says, you, you need to go to Hot, Hot Springs is kind of my sanctuary. And so she said, you need to go to Hot Springs. You're getting a little hinky, you know. And <laughs> So I went there because I was a little bit, I didn't realize how kind of overwhelmed I was with the stuff that was going on. I went there to just sort of take a break and do the hot baths and drink the Mountain Valley water. And and Mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, in Hot Springs, for those that don't know, in Arkansas is neutral ground for for a lot of things. Warring Indian factions would bring their wounded there and it was considered neutral ground. It's a very spiritual place. And I threw my guitar in the truck as an afterthought. Went there and was just decided to just kind of rest. And the first night, I, you know, I just woke up in the middle of the night with these songs. And they kept coming and, 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 and all that. I, I sort of sensed a theme to them, but I wasn't really trying to write a record about redemption where, where it's kind of the, the whole record, the narrative is, is sort of folks that are, you know, hard luck folks that are salt and light folks that end up, you know, just kind of on a, on a, journey trying to find the light. That's kind of what the narrative is, but it, if I had a thought that I'm going to sit down and do that, I never would you never have. Never would have, yeah. So I was just trying to be, you know, to be present in the moment, and and as a songwriter, you just really, at least for me, I just try to let whatever is trying to, to come, come and not get in the way of it. Lyrically, for you, your use of words is always so simple 
yet in its simplicity is able to just cut through. You're educated with enough experience in philosophy to make it this really deep thing as far as the words go, but you don't do that. You know, the, the, the images will, will provoke, uh, like when I was writing to Red Blue Jeans, to uh, when I was, I was writing that with Richard Ford, and, and we saw something on TV, it was a documentary, and it showed someone in Russia that had on, it was about blue jean, denim was hard to find, and it was, and there was someone in Moscow wearing a, a, a denim jacket that had John Lennon uh, on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And so that that image is so when you're thinking about what's going on in Glasnost and all that in the, the in the in the in the fight for freedom, like you're mentioning, everyone's dying to get denim. They've got this one person is like has shades on with John Lennon on the back of a denim jacket. Well, that image itself will will become so provocative that if you just will allow the image to speak to you and not do what like you what you were mentioning is the songwriter's bane, and that's to try to <laughs> embellish and try to take things that aren't necessary. So in a sense, for me, songwriting is taking away and just leaving what is essential. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's, not, it's not adding to. And as I've gotten older, I think that I have been more keen on simplicity. Um, is like the, you know, the parables and the gospels. They're very, you know, there's just about wheat and pearls and keeping your lamps trimmed. They're all narratives that deal with things that are very simplistic, but are essential. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any oil in your lamp, then you're not going to be prepared when the master comes, you know? And so there's, I, I think my songs tend to be driven by narrative more than any sort of kind of uh, trying to deal out some sort of metaphorical spectrum, you know. Thank you so much for coming by and talking to us. Oh, it's such an (laughs) honor to be here. What a beautiful guy. What a beautiful story. It's interesting to get in his head. You know, I could just sit there and talk to him Mm -hmm. for hours. And I could listen in. (laughs) Well, here's more from John Kilser on Bill Street Caravan. I have to to give a shout out to as far as as far as in my opinion is that MVP of this record is the engineer and co-producer Kevin Houston right over here. Love you, man. Thank you so much. His lovely wife, Meredith. I'm so glad y'all are here. Somebody I need a beer 
You got a home and pray, pray for those souls out in the dark. Cause God loves them more than you'll ever know. Cause all they have is him. And his heart is with the loose. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. This is a song called Graveyard Jones. Shack, my name, mile from the river and the railroad. 
that freight car If you can't ride the blues will cut you up and leave you lying by the side Blues ain't nothing but a Gypsy boomerang.
For folks just tuning in, you're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Today's program is made possible by support from Bridging the Blues. Find out more info about the music and culture of the Memphis and Delta region at bridgingtheblues.com. Here's more from John Kilger.
God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was John Kilser live on Bill Street Caravan. Special thanks to our supporters, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, Bridging the Blues, and Southland Gaming. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. If you tune in to us and you like what you hear, give your local station a call. Send them an email. Let them know how much you appreciate them. And while you're at it, give us a shout, too. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check in with us there. We've always got great updates and special features related to our programming. And don't forget, we've got a great little contest going on on our Facebook page where you can win a cabin aboard Delbert McClinton's Sandy Beaches Cruise. Go check out our Facebook page for all the details. Next week on Bill Street Caravan, we'll have the always amazing Alvin Youngblood Hart with us. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be great. It's going to be a great show. Plus, we'll have Bill Street Caravan contributor Eddie Hankins as he continues his series on American Studios. Until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. And you've been listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan.